Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Welcome again to the broadcast today, and we're going to talk about the church at Antioch, which really came about because of the failure at the church at Jerusalem. Are you thinking about starting a church? Has God laid it on your heart? Then let your church be founded on the grace of God. We're going to talk about the church at Antioch, why it was so successful. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello again. Welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. And uh, what I want to teach to you today can be a very great blessing in your life. And if there's any ministers watching, I want them to also uh, pay attention. We're going to talk about the church at Antioch in the Word of God and the reason why it was established, the purpose of why it was established, and why we saw one church going down, that's the church at Jerusalem, and another church being built up. In fact, even jealousy developed in the church at Jerusalem for what was going on in Antioch, and we'll find out why. Why do churches grow and why do churches not grow? And this, again, is not an overall understanding of every single reason, but does come down to one great reason, and that is what is a church founded on. The Bible says that we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ becoming that chief cornerstone. The apostles are the writers of the New Testament, and the prophets are the writers of the Old Testament, and they come together forming two walls, and the chief cornerstone that unites those two walls together is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's simply showing that the writers of the Old Testament, the writers of the New Testament, those in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. In the New Testament, we point back to Jesus. They look forward to the work he would do on the cross. And we look back to the work he has already done on the cross. This is the foundation of our church. And that is the word of God and also the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the work that he has done. So let's, point, let's boil it down to one simple word. The word is grace that God has always been a God of grace. You say, well, in the Old Testament, you know, God gave them the law and that's because they asked for it. He didn't want to give them the law and what he was showing them what was, was he expected of them. But what they did not understand is he was showing them what they expected, what he expected of them. But what they didn't have was how to get there. They just thought they could do it on their own. And of course, that's where you'll always fail. And so we're talking about churches that are built on the grace of God and churches that are built on law and why momentarily one can increase, but eventually it's gonna kill itself. But the church built on grace will continue to go on pastor after pastor if the main message is the grace of God and of course the love of God, which goes right along with it. I'm gonna be teaching out of my book on the book of Acts, and this will be the book that I'll be offering. I know it's gonna be a great blessing for you. So again, the announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have your own copy of it. And then also I'm gonna be touching on the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians also dovetails into the stories I'm gonna be telling in this about the church at Antioch and uh, the conference that actually came and the confrontation. Pardon me, that's a better word for it. The confrontation that came up between Peter and Paul in the church at Antioch over the issue of grace. And it's going to be a great pointing out to, again, the foundation. I was raised in a church. In fact, we were a part of a group of churches. I was not a denomination, but we were a Pentecostal church and we were called Pentecostal Grace. The other P Pentecostal churches did not understand us. We even believed in eternal security. 
that if you're saved, you don't lose your salvation. Well, they had all different levels that you lost your salvation. Some if you sneezed really hard and others if you drank a beer or you know you said a cuss word or something like that all the way over to the other extreme. And that was, well, you had to totally deny and reject Jesus as your savior. And if you lost your salvation, you could never have it back again. I, that's the group I would often tell them. Listen, if I believe what you believe, that's that's what the one I would. That is probably closer to the truth. But I also believe in the Word of God that you can't lose it. So again, I had friends I would talk to, but a lot of churches just didn't understand us. But we didn't understand the grace of God. I was raised on the grace of God. And today, there is a major move across the country that has started a number of years ago, again, reemphasizing the grace of God. We've had the faith movement. We've had signs and wonders. You know, we've had the charismatic movement, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But now there's a major move and a major uh, sweeping across our country and around the world of coming back to the grace of God. Of course, with every move, somebody takes it too far out and so grace has even been taught that you can sin as a Christian, get away with it, because grace covers everything. Well, it really does, and uh, you know, as far as covering everything, but God does not want, in fact, throughout the word of God, again, these things right, we undo that you sin not. And the grace of God has been given to us, not so we can just live any kind of lifestyle, but the grace of God actually points us in the right direction and helps us to live a righteous life. Grace inside needs to have the manifestation outside and people need to see our daily walk with God, which is a lack of sin. This is the whole purpose of the Christian life is the world can see Jesus Christ in us. I'm gonna be taking up a story found in Acts chapter 11, verses one through 18, where Peter has just come off of the road and he went to a, and he went to a house and spoke there and a man named Cornelius in a vision saw Peter coming and Peter in a vision was told by the Lord that these two were gonna get together. God worked on both ends. Peter was at Joppa and Cornelius was at his home uh, in Caesarea. And so the two met at the house. And so Peter took a few of his disciples with him, some that were present on the day of Pentecost. And in the middle of, of Peter's preaching in that house, suddenly the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they accepted the Lord, first of all. That's what had to happen when they, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit fell in that room. They had just must have received Jesus by the preaching of what Peter said. And we're not told exactly what Peter preached. A lot of the sermons are well documented. In his, it wasn't that much documented. He was just preaching and the events were being told. And the men and the and all of them in the room started speaking with tongues. And those that came with Peter said, they're speaking in tongues, the same type of tongues we spoke in the upper room. And they suddenly realized God's no respecter of persons. Well, Peter had seen that through his housetop vision where the Lord used all the different unclean animals of the law and said, this is what you think of Gentiles. He said, these food laws. And so I want you to understand that God loved them just the same. The grace that's been given to you is the grace that's been given to them. So there was a massive, um, in that, that meeting, a massive change of thinking in Peter, a massive change in Peter's uh, congreg or Peter's group that he brought with him. And so now Peter is being brought before the church in Jerusalem and they wanna know what the heck is going on? What are you doing? You know, you went to the uh, house of, of Gentiles, you ate with them. And so he had to give them the housetop vision and talk about that. These guys were actually born again. These guys spoke in tongues. Isn't this the great commission? Didn't Jesus, and you were standing there when he gave it to us? 
to tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He told us to go into Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Every step took them further away from Jerusalem into the other parts of the world where Gentiles were. And now we have these men coming, even against the Great Commission. You went and preached to Gentiles. You preached in their home. He said, yes, sir. And they received Jesus as Savior. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. On top of that, I had a vision. The Lord showed me and the Lord showed him and brought us together. And the men that went with him were going, yep, yep, that's true. And they had to apologize and they repented. But you know, it didn't last very long. They slipped right back into legalism. They were surrounded so much by the law and the temple and the sacrifices and all the laws that were contained it. And they had actually developed their own view that yes, you're saved by faith. Yes, you're saved by grace, but you've got to keep the law to stay safe. Sound a little familiar today? The laws vary from church to church, you know, different types of, of sins that they say that you know you can lose your salvation over. But it simply comes back to this. You can get born again by faith, but you have to add something to it. Water baptism. Water baptism is wonderful, but it doesn't save you. Well, you need to tithe. I believe in tithing, but that does not save you. Those are results of being salvation should cause you to want to be baptized and show people you have been saved. And, uh, you know, accepting Jesus as your savior, being born again, you should want to give into God's kingdom. These are all things that should be part of the new birth and part of the life that you live before the world. So legalistic churches, you know, uh, there were so many of my friends that were raised in legalistic churches. One thing I always saw that was almost universal and not with every person, not with every minister's child, but in most cases, I saw the children grow up and run from the church as fast as they could because they were raised around such things as you, yeah, you receive Jesus, but you have to live this way. You have to dress this way. You have to talk this way. And so many monitors were set around their life that eventually when they got old enough, they fled and didn't go back to church and some for many, many years and some never did go back to church. They hated how they were treated while they were growing up. My father again believed in grace. We had a television. When they came out, when all the other groups of churches were saying they were televisions and one-eyed monsters and, and how dare you have that, one lady told us when she heard we had a TV, she said, the Holy Spirit just convicts me when I'm around one of those. Notice the Holy Spirit conviction. That means we're too dumb to hear from the Holy Spirit. She has to tell us what the Holy Spirit's saying. But my dad would excuse it and go right on, you know, as long as it was something that didn't occupy all of our time and something that didn't take us from God, he said we could have it. We could. I played baseball on Sunday. We washed our car on Sunday. Other people couldn't do things like that. That's how down into the smallest things it got into your daily life. So the churches never grew much. You know, some would grow some because we had signs and wonders in the church, which we did. People would come for a while for that, but when they come and get browbeaten all the time, they don't come back. So my dad had small churches, but one of them grew from 30 to 60 in the in the two years he had the church. And he just watched it grow. But you know what brought people in? The grace of God. And so through my life, I've always believed in the grace of God and had a, a chance to pastor a church called Grace Fellowship. And I saw it grow and became a very large church. But you know why people came? They heard the word of God and they were treated in grace and taught grace. So in a church uh, that, you know, where legalism abounds and they're usually not soul winning churches. They're really just working on their own people to try to get them purified and sanctified instead of getting people saved. So newcomers usually feel unwelcome. 
Elitism will develop and newcomers usually don't feel worthy of their teaching. They're almost treated that way. Some may even believe these churches, they're the only ones truly saved and they're the only ones gonna go to heaven. And as huge as heaven is, there's only gonna be a few people there. It's those from their particular denomination or their point of view. They're critical. They're jealous of churches that teach grace and often run them down and even tell them that these churches that teach the grace of God are going to hell because this is a demonic and a satanic doctrine that you're teaching when you teach the grace of God. Well, the grace of God covers the entire word of God. Even the law in the Old Testament, the purpose why it was given was to point you back to grace. If you try to get saved by your own works, you're going to fail. And then the sacrifices would teach you of one who did die for you. and That's Jesus. And it pointed you back to the grace of God. Again, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That was the whole point of it. And that's what Paul preached. God saw the handwriting on the wall at Jerusalem and helped to raise up a grace church at Antioch, a church that emphasized the grace of God. And a split developed at that time where the Jerusalem church saw themselves as those that were called to save the Jews and to lead Jews into salvation. And they saw the church at Antioch as a church that was raised up to go and take the message to Gentiles. But they again despised the fact that the church at Antioch was growing by leaps and bounds. And those that went out from there to preach the gospel, Paul and Barnabas and and others that went out from there were having great results getting uh, Gentiles saved, but also in some times they even got Jews saved from the synagogue that was there into that town. So when we get back, we're gonna talk about two great leaders in the church that got into an argument with each other over this issue. That's Paul and Barnabas. I'll see you right after the break. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyendian.com. The Apostle Paul knew that works can't bring salvation. The Galatian churches, after believing the gospel of grace in Christ, were misled into Jewish law. Paul wrote to them, confronting their foolishness. His letter declared salvation by faith alone, not based on effort or observance, but solely upon the grace of God. In this New Testament commentary on Galatians, Bob Yandian defines legalism, its effects on the Galatians, and its impact on today's church. Seeing how legalism infected the Galatian churches, we can learn to overcome this subtle attack on believers today. To order this New Testament commentary on Galatians, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Like I said just before the break here, God saw the handwriting on the wall at Jerusalem. He saw how the church was headed, where it was headed, and had to raise up another church. And so a church was started at Antioch. And God laid it on the heart of a man from the church at Jerusalem, which saw the grace of God. His name was Barnabas. And God led him and led him out of town and led him to Gentile territory. And he started a church at Antioch. And while he was starting this with a small group of people that were hungry for the word of God, hungry for signs and wonders, hungry to, to know God and know the truth of God, God laid someone on Barnabas's heart, and that was Paul. And so Barnabas you know, basically turned over to somebody else for a while and went and found Paul and told him, I want you to come and help me start this church in Antioch. So they did. So the church was founded by two tremendous grace ministers, Paul and Barnabas. The church at Antioch will become the center of Gentile evangelism and help fulfill the Great Commission, which was going to all the world and preach the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, those were hated by the Jews, and then later on to the uttermost parts of the earth. And really all that part from, you know, Samaria on out after that, after Samaria was done by the church at Antioch. And this is the one where from that church, Paul went on missionary journeys. And this is where Ephesus, the revival at Ephesus, and the time he went over and, you know, started off in, in Philippi and all the places he went to over there and seeing churches raised up and people coming to know Jesus, the grace of God was the theme that Paul and Barnabas taught. They went on missions trips together. Then later on, Paul went with others while Barnabas stayed back here and became the official pastor of the church at Antioch. So the church at Antioch is gonna become the center of Gentile evangelism at Jerusalem. It was intended by God for that church to also practice grace, but to reach out mainly to the Jews in that area. But the church began to slip into legalism because of all the Jews that attended the church, and especially the Pharisees that received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the Bible even said that devout Jews in that town, received Jesus as Lord and Savior. The day of Pentecost, when Peter stood in the streets and preached to that multitude that was there, it said there were devout Jews out of every nation under heaven, and he preached Jesus Christ going to the cross, the fact that he was the Messiah, how that they saw him, yet they missed the fact he was the Messiah. The one that was prophesied of stood in front of them. They heard of him, but yet they didn't believe it. And now with this preaching, some 3,000 devout Jews received Jesus as Lord and Savior. So those devout Jews came into the church, but the sad thing was, was they drug so much baggage into the church with them too. They tried to mix the law with grace. And of course, the two are the antithesis of each other. They do not mix together any more than oil and water will mix together. There's a proper place for walking in your spiritual life, and that is walking in a growth, maturity, discipleship, a lack of sin, and that's where that comes in, but you always treat it under the umbrella of grace. As Jerusalem was intended to be the point of outreach to Jews, the church at Antioch would reach out and become the major leader of the Gentile nations 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. I've talked about this, so let's come back around to it. This is when Peter came back from preaching at the house of Cornelius and saw many Gentiles, Romans even, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they spoke with tongues. I mean, there was all the things that happened on the day of Pentecost happened in this house of Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 11, verses one through three, we have the fact that Peter and those that were with him came and were brought in before the church of Jerusalem and grilled and grilled and grilled over this issue. But finally, when Peter had the, uh, you know, the chance to give his testimony, it really swayed everybody back around for a while. Same thing happens with Paul twice later on. He comes and gives his testimony about what's going on in Gentile nations because they bring him in and again, chew him out. But when he gives the testimony, they have to stand back and agree with him what's happened. He had Timothy and Titus with him one time. It's brought out in the book of Galatians. Again, I'm mentioning the book of Galatians also. If you don't have my book on the book of Galatians, these two books, Acts and Galatians, tied together in a very important part. And that was the issue of uh, Paul. And the two he had with him was Timothy and Titus. Two opposites, one was a Gentile, one was a Jew. And so he had Timothy circumcised, but he didn't have Titus circumcised. And this became a major issue. But when he brought Titus in and Titus gave his testimonies, they began to see that circumcision was not any part of spiritual life, but merely like water baptism, an outward sign that you had received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's take a look at the verse of scripture, Acts chapter 11. Let's take a look at verses one through three. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision continued tended with him. The circumcision here may honestly be men that are born again, but they're catering more back to the law than they are to the grace of God and the New Testament time they're living with him. And in verse three, it says, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh, what a terrible thing. Jump down with me to verse 18, because between these verses, Peter gets to tell his story of the housetop vision. He begins to tell the story how God led him and told him he would be going to the house of Cornelius. And then he tells how that Cornelius saw a vision and also Cornelius was led on his side and God brought the two together and a revival started in that home. And so in verse 18, he says, when they heard these things, that's Peter's testimony, they became silent. And then they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Well, isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, go into all the world. Didn't Jesus tell them to do that? Of course he did. But now they're even backtracking on what Jesus has said. And it took a testimony from Peter. And later on, a couple of times, a testimony from Paul, as he tells them, again, what's happening in his own ministry. The Jerusalem leaders knew this already, but they were reminded in front of a large group of ministers. They soon forgot this story. And these confrontations became routine with other ministers. Paul later on, Titus again, who was not circumcised, Timothy who was, and so others who came also, and Barnabas and Saul then came to Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, after all these verses, now we find in Acts chapter 11, the starting of the church at Antioch. There had to be a church teaching grace. God had to see to it, and he took two champions of grace. And he took Barnabas and at that time, Paul, who was called Saul before his name was changed and brought, and God brought them to Antioch. Barnabas came to Antioch, saw the hunger and saw the grace of God. In fact, he was out of the church at Jerusalem. When he came to Antioch, the thing that shocked him with the believers was their lack of concern for the law, but their love for God. 
And what he saw in them, he said, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to make big issues of how you dress or whether you're circumcised or what day of the week and all these circ- all these uh, days that we celebrate, you know, all the different Jewish holidays. And these things, he began to realize something. These people have an honest desire, a heart desire. And even though they don't know the law, they're still fulfilling it. By walking with Jesus, he became so excited that he went and told uh, Saul about this. Saul got excited, came back with him. These two started the church. And here's what happened. Barnabas and Saul went on the first, or Paul went on the first missionary journeys and also on the second missionary journey. But after that, here's what happened is Barnabas had the call to stay there and pastor this church. And so Paul began to get other partners and go out with him to preach and teach the gospel. And eventually great revival started out that church. But here's the point, the church at Antioch was always the refreshment point. Paul came back and was refreshed by the fellowship of the saints and the glorious, wonderful praise and worship, the freedom that was at that church continued for some time. And so in Acts chapter 11, take a look at verse 19 down through verse 30. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke with Hellenists, these are Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was on them. So they, they've they been just going out preaching to Jews and mainly Jews preaching to Jews, but suddenly some Hellenists, some Greeks heard the message, received Jesus, and they wanted to preach the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believe and turn to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Barnabas was sent out for one purpose. Go find out what's happening there in Antioch and straighten out this message you can. Barnabas went there with a attitude of the law, understanding grace, but he saw also what was going on there. And this switched him right back to the powerful message of grace. Verse 23, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he besought him to come to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. I want you to notice something here. We use the term Christians for a believer. Someone that just gets born again becomes a Christian. They use the term of Christians for disciples because the name Christian means little Christ. When you begin to see a person act like Jesus Christ on the outside, that's an indication they're a disciple. And so even though the name was a derision from the people around there, they called him little Jesus's little Christ. But you know what? It was a compliment to be called a little Jesus, a little Christ, and was an indicator not of just being born again, but a disciple, one who acts like, follows, and closely abides to the word of God that Jesus said. Jesus said to those in Acts in chapter eight of John, who just believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free and they'll call you Christians. And that's what happened at Antioch. Antioch became Paul's testing ground for future ministry. It was in Antioch that Paul proved his calling to apostolic ministry to the Gentiles of soul winning, 
miracles, building the local church to hand it off to even more permanent pastors later on, which happened in this particular case. It was at Antioch that God refined and separated Paul to his call to the Gentile world to do the same ministry as it happened at Antioch. You know what I'm simply telling you? I'm simply telling you, and pastors, if you're out there, please make your main foundation in your ministry, the love and grace of God, that Jesus didn't go to the cross because it was law. He went to the cross because he wanted to. And on the cross, he died for us, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We are the joy that was set before him. Pastors, look at those people out there and let them be your joy. And sure, rejoice when they become to walking with God and they grow in the things of God. But understand this, when they miss it, and when they mess up, as all Christians will, they become carnal at times. That's the time to reach down, help them stand up, and again, treat them by the grace of God. This is how God treats them, not excusing their sin. Oh no, calling sin for exactly what it is, but showing them the simplicity by the grace of God that if they confess that sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive them, get them right back into the race and encourage them to keep going again. We're gonna pick up right here tomorrow where we left off. Have a great night, have a great day tomorrow and tune back in tomorrow to find out the rest of this sermon on God's calling at Antioch. You can order resources, become a partner or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.